Grace Through Prophecy. That's the uh, title of our message this morning. If you wouldn't mind, let's just quiet our hearts and minds in a word of prayer as we get started here this morning. God, we just come to you right now. And we just thank you and praise you that you are on your throne. Father, I pray that you would use this overwhelming evidence of fulfilled prophecy to stir our hearts this morning. I pray that if there's somebody here that has never been confronted with the reality of Jesus as Messiah, that he fulfilled hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament, hundreds of years prior. I pray that those realities would just grip our hearts. And that if somebody here this morning doesn't know you as Lord and personal Savior, I pray that that evidence would be used by your Spirit to stir their heart, to draw them to yourself even this morning. And that today would be the glorious day of salvation. I pray for believers, those that know you as their Savior this morning, I pray that we would be encouraged. That our faith would be uh, deepened. That our resolve to follow you would, would, be, would, would grow this morning as a result of just looking and gazing into your word and considering who you are as Messiah. The anointed one. The appointed one. The chosen one. Father God, I pray that you would do a work that I cannot do. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll admit and state the obvious that it feels a bit uncomfortable to be preaching an Advent sermon the week before Thanksgiving. Uh, But we are doing that. We're going to be that church. Uh, But I tell you what, I hope that you have been encouraged as we have launched out into this extended Advent series. And I pray that you have uh, maybe considered new facets or been reminded of the, the beautiful nuances of Jesus Christ and all the different ways that he reveals himself through mankind. And for us as a church to gather around the richness and the magnificence of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray that we would never grow weary of that exercise. And even this morning, as we consider yet another nuance of grace, we've gone and visited grace through disobedience, grace through law, and this morning as we consider grace through prophecy, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm uh, taking some introspection and remembering back over the last two messages, and they haven't necessarily been fun messages uh, to, to really go through. They've, they've been heavy as we consider the weight and the problem of our sin, the overwhelming demands of the law that Jesus didn't come to abolish, but rather that He came to fulfill. And as the perfect Lamb of God, He alone could satisfy the demands of the heavy burden of that law. And Jesus did it so perfectly as the Lamb of God. And I pray even as we continue our way through this holiday season here in Western culture in America, as we gather together with friends and family over this coming week, as you maybe start already have or start pulling out Christmas decorations and, and start going through all those family traditions, I pray that we would not forget Jesus. 
I pray that we would not grow so busy and so anxious about plans and and schedules and travel that we put Jesus, whether intentionally or unintentionally, on the back burner of our heart and our mind during this time. And so here we are, a season of grace for us to linger, for us to remember and to reflect on all of who Jesus is and all that Jesus has done. Are you thankful that Jesus is our Savior this morning? Are you thankful that He provided the solution for the problem of our sin? As I think on this topic of grace through prophecy, for us in the the church age, we have the benefit, what, of, of the whole counsel of God. We have Scripture from Genesis through Revelation, and we can see the entire redemptive plan in the Old Testament looking forward to a Messiah. In the Gospels, seeing the fulfillment of that prophecy in the personal work of Jesus and the rest of the New Testament, looking back to all that Jesus has done in the gospel. We, in the church age, have the benefit of Scripture. But I wonder this morning, as we have probably sat in familiar settings such as this, as we have gone through maybe other Christmas series, as we have heard preachers and pastors talk about the overwhelming evidence of a fulfilled prophecy through the personal work of Jesus, I wonder, has it become maybe just a little too familiar? As the familiarity of Jesus as the Messiah, as Jesus fulfilling prophecy, has that just become just a Another academic endeavor? Has that become just a fact for us to file away? Yes, we know Jesus fulfilled prophecy. Let's move on to the next thing. But friends, have we forgotten about the supernatural nature of fulfilled prophecy that no man could could fulfill prophecy like Jesus could? There was others that came before Jesus proclaiming to be the Messiah, yet they failed to stack up against the prophecies of the Old Testament and fulfill them not just part ways or some of them, but to fulfill all of them perfectly down to the most specific detail. And so for us this morning, right here at Liberty Hills Bible Church, for this gathering, I pray that as we gaze into grace through prophecy, I pray that we would move past familiarity. And I pray that we would move to a place of anticipation. We would move to a place of hope and gratitude for all that we have been given in the gospel. So my prayer this morning is that as we navigate through this this story of grace through prophecy, that it will both strengthen and uphold our faith in the midst of a cynical and hostile world. Do you feel some of that burden even this morning? of the world looking on as you maybe are in the workplace and interacting with uh, other employees, as you're uh, just interacting with your neighbors, as they see you to go to church on, on Sunday mornings, as you talk about maybe your faith in Jesus, or you might even say, hey, I'm praying for you. Maybe as a need arises or some crisis becomes known to you in your neighborhood and it just seems like there's more and more of a growing skepticism and cynical nature and hostility towards the things of God. But yet we remember that that is not new. 
Jesus, as he came on a mission to give his life a ransom for many, he was met with hostility. Do you remember John chapter number one? He came unto his own and his own did not receive him. The long awaited for Messiah reveals himself to the pages of the gospels, but yet his people rejected him. John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer of Jesus back to the Father in one of his final moments here on earth. He reminds us that they, meaning the world, will reject us. Why? Because they rejected Jesus, the Messiah. But the beautiful redemptive plan is this, that Jesus is saving a remnant Although the world as a whole may reject Jesus, he is working out his perfect redemptive plan among us. He is drawing men and women, sons and daughters to himself, and he is ushering them out of darkness into the glorious light. He is making them sons and daughters of God. And this is a glorious truth that Jesus, even today, is still in the business of saving souls. Are you thankful for that? And so as we consider this This Christmas Advent series. My hope and my prayer is that the gospel will just shine afresh and anew in our hearts. And as a result of seeing Jesus in the gospels, in scriptures, that that would change us. That the gospel isn't just for our salvation, but it is for our sanctification. And as we look into the gospel and we consider who is Jesus, whether you know Jesus now, or whether you don't know him at all, I pray that we would put assumptions aside, biases aside, and we would let scripture, the testimony of fulfilled prophecy, speak into our heart and our life. So the question is, what do we find when we truthfully examine Old Testament messianic prophecy? What do we find when we overlay these prophecies with the personal work of Jesus as recorded in the accounts of scriptures? What do we find? We find an overwhelming body of evidence that these prophecies have indeed been fulfilled. And friends, here's the reality of this, that these prophecies truly have been fulfilled through the person and work of Jesus, then this changes literally everything. If Jesus is who he said he is, and he did perfectly fulfill these hundreds of prophecies as recorded in the scriptures, then that changes everything. That means that Jesus isn't just about niceties and being a good person. Jesus isn't just about what? He's not about being a good teacher or a good prophet. It means that he's the son of God. And if he's the son of God, it means that we're accountable for our actions, for our sin, for our disobedience under the burden of the law. And if Jesus as the lamb of God did come and perfectly fulfill Old Testament prophecy, and we look at his life and we look at his work, I wonder what conclusions can we come to? Do you remember Peter's response to the question that Jesus gave his disciples? I've preached about this question before. Jesus asked the disciples and the crowds around him, who do you say that I am? You remember this question? 
Some said he was Elijah. Some said he was another prophet. Jesus went from the plural to the singular, and he specifically asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I pray this morning as we consider the overwhelming testimony of fulfilled prophecy in Scripture, I pray that we would see Jesus as Peter did in that moment, that He was the Christ and is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So the big idea this morning of our message, and our message is going to be a little bit different than what we typically do here at Liberty Hills. I'm not going to be going through word by word, verse by verse, expositionally through a specific text. I want to give us a broad overview of prophecy this morning. I want us to consider messianic prophecy and Christ being the fulfillment of it. And in an effort to move us beyond the familiarity of this topic, I want to submit three different functions that fulfilled prophecy will play in this world. And the first function that fulfilled prophecy or the core way that fulfilled prophecy functions practically in this world is this fulfilled prophecy provides truth for the skeptic. Fulfilled prophecy provides truth for the skeptic. Friends, it's unbelievable when you begin to lean into this topic of messianic prophecy, the numbers alone are literally overwhelming and quite frankly, they are staggering to consider the detail that Jesus came and lived and fulfilled. Most scholars believe that Jesus fulfilled north of 300 individual prophecies that are related to Jesus as the Messiah in Scripture. One mathematician attempted to quantify this in terms of probability and statistics, and he estimates that one man fulfilling even just 50 of those over 300 prophecies would be one in 10 followed by 157 zeros. (laughs) That to say is it's nearly impossible. This is a supernatural work that God has done in sending his son to take on flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, to come to be born of a virgin, to live his perfect life, and ultimately to go to a cross to shed his blood, to go to a tomb, defeat sin and death and hell, and raise again from the dead on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Do you remember Lee Strobel? I always love Lee this time of year as we consider the case for Christ. He once said this by way of the testimony of his own skepticism. To be honest, Lee says, I didn't want to believe that Christianity could radically transform someone's character and values. It was much easier to raise doubts and manufacture outrageous objections than to consider this possibility that God actually could trigger a revolutionary turnaround in such a depraved and degenerate life. He goes on to say this about his faith in Jesus. Faith is only as good as the one in whom it's invested. Let me say that one more time. Faith faith is only as good as the one in whom it's invested. So the question is, For us to consider this morning is who is our faith in? 
Is your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ? So again, this first function of fulfilled prophecies that it provides truth for the skeptic. We want to move from a place of a lack of understanding to a place of knowledge. And this fulfilled prophecy, when genuinely considered, gives us truth. And Jesus proclaimed when he walked this earth that he is truth. He's come to give us truth. And that truth will what? It will set us free. For the skeptic, the overwhelming evidence of fulfilled prophecy through the personal work of Jesus, it can't be ignored. People can have problems with church history. They can have problems with choices or decisions that were made under the umbrella of the church. But friends, I'll tell you this, I'm not following a denomination or a church name. I'm following Jesus. I'm thankful that He has redeemed a bride and that those whom He saved, He has called to be in fellowship together in the context of the local church. He desires that. That's God's plan for your life. But friends, leadership this side of eternity is imperfect. There have been horrible wrongs, incredible travesties that have happened in the history of this world because of sinful leaders engaged in the context of the local church. Let's talk about that. Let's condone that. Let's ask forgiveness for those wrongs. But friends, when we look at the core of what the church is built on, that who is the head of the church? Jesus Christ. When we look at His life, when we look at His ministry, when we look at how He lived, how He loved, how He interacted, how He was moved with compassion, how He taught, how He interacted with those in this world, friends, there's nothing that can be taken away from Jesus Christ. Not one wrong thing can be ascribed to the personal work of Jesus. And so it is on that solid rock that we stand. That our faith isn't in a denomination. It's not in a church name. It's not in church history. Our faith is in Jesus Christ alone. By grace alone. Through faith alone. This is the core tenet of our Christian faith. And friends, I wonder this morning, is your faith truly in Jesus Christ? Are you trusting in something else? Are you trusting in your family heritage, going to church, being Christians? Are you trusting in some unattainable goal that your good works are going to outweigh your bad, that I'm just kind of a good guy or a good gal? I'm not as bad as some others that I know. Friends, our faith is only as good as the one in whom it's invested. So again, the only conclusion that the skeptic can make if we truly look at the overwhelming evidence of fulfilled prophecy is this, that Jesus is truth. Jesus was and is the Son of God and Jesus did give His life a ransom for many. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came and preached. The long-awaited for Messiah has come. Okay, Eric, you've talked a lot about prophecy. 
and you have claimed that prophecy has been fulfilled, but let's hear some. I'll give you a few examples of some fulfilled messianic prophecy. And this is really the core of why in our scripture reading this morning, I selected Matthew chapter number two. Did you catch multiple times as we were reading through that text that these things came to pass? Why? So that they could be fulfilled as the prophets foretold. Time and time again, different nuances of Christ coming, taking on flesh, being born, living his life. It was all in accordance with the scripture to fulfill what the prophets had foretold. One of the most important core tenets of the Christian faith is what? That the Messiah is to be born of a virgin. We see this in Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14, one of our most favorite messianic prophecies. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This prophecy is fulfilled in Matthew chapter number 2, verse number 1. It's fulfilled in Luke chapter number 1, verses 26 through 35. The Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem. We see this in Micah chapter 5, verse number 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. We see this fulfilled once again in Matthew chapter number 2, verses 1 through 7. John chapter 7, verse 42. Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. Another messianic prophecy, the Messiah is to be preceded by a messenger. We see this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 3. We also see it in Malachi chapter 3, verse number 1. This is fulfilled in Matthew chapter 3, John chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. The Messiah is to enter Jerusalem on a donkey. Do you remember this being prophesied? In Zechariah 9, verse number 9. Fulfilled in Luke's gospel account in chapters 35 through 37 as we see Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. We also see it in Matthew's account in chapter 21 verses 6 through 11. It was prophesied that the Messiah, Jesus, was to be portrayed, betrayed, excuse me, by a friend. See, this prophesied in Psalm 41, Psalm 55. It's fulfilled in Matthew 10. Chapter 26, John chapter number 13. Another prophecy, the Messiah is to be sold for 30 pieces of silver. This was foretold in Zechariah chapter 11, verse number 12. Prophecy fulfilled in Matthew chapter number 26, verse number 15. Messiah is to be murdered by crucifixion. Having his hands and feet pierced. We see this in Psalm, the Messianic Psalm number 22. Also fulfilled in John chapter 19, verse number 28. Messiah is to be raised from the dead. Isaiah chapter 53, that that passage on the suffering servant. Psalm chapter 2, fulfilled in Matthew 28, Acts 2, 1 Corinthians 11. Friends, we could go on and on and on as I'm even skipping over some that I put in my notes. It is overwhelming. The prophecy 
that was given, that would foretold the, the, the life and the work of Jesus Christ perfectly to the detail. Jesus came and he fulfilled all those details in accordance with the scriptures. Again, do you remember Lee Strobel's quote, faith is only as good as the one in whom it's invested. Friends, are you trusting in Jesus Christ alone as the Messiah? Jesus is who he said he is and accomplished the mission that he was sent to complete. And the overwhelming body of fulfilled prophecy demands a verdict. It demands a response. And Jesus asked us all that same question that he asked Peter. Who do you say that I am? The first, excuse me, the first function of fulfilled prophecy is that it provides truth for the skeptic. The second function of fulfilled prophecy is this. Fulfilled prophecy provides purpose for the selfish. It provides purpose for the selfish. As we have done each week during this Advent series, we have a title and we have a focus of each message. But we really anchor our attention on a specific name of Jesus Christ. This week is Messiah. I loved singing Jesus Messiah, Andy. Thank you for choosing that song. What an incredible celebration of those realities that Jesus is our Messiah. Israel was looking and waiting for a Messiah, were they not? We see it in the Gospels. We see the crowds and and the buzz starting to form around Jesus as he reveals himself as the Messiah, as he shows himself having power and authority over nature, over sickness, and even over death. There's a popularity that spreads about and crowds are forming. But I wonder, was Israel looking and waiting for the Messiah that Jesus was to be. Really all of Christian theology hinges on the belief and the tenet that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah. These two words, Christ and Messiah, biblically are really synonyms that highlight the identity and status of Jesus, not just, again, as another good teacher or prophet, but rather as a divinely appointed Savior. You know, it's interesting as we read the Gospels, as we grow up, maybe some of you did as as I did, grow up in the church, you just automatically connect Jesus with the term Christ. As if his singular name is Jesus Christ, right? Have you ever thought about this before? Maybe not. Uh, But really, Jesus is the actual name that was given to him. And Christ is actually the title of Jesus. So he is Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. When these two words would come together in the pages of the Gospels, this is what would have been understood in that Jewish mind that Jesus wasn't just another prophet, but he was Jesus Christ. Curios, a Lord. This has the idea of a Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, the appointed one. This is who Jesus is. And this is who Peter even 
in that passage that we briefly alluded to early that Jesus, or excuse me, that Peter was proclaiming Jesus to be the Messiah. Do you remember all the way back in our series through the Gospel of John? This has to be almost going in double digit years at this point. Probably not, but it feels like it's been that long. How long? Oh, about six years. Okay, so I've been too terribly long. But if you're like me, I can't remember what happened yesterday. So I doubt you remember our incredible preaching series from six years ago. But if you do, you'll remember the thesis statement of the Gospel of John was all the way at the end of uh, the book. Do you remember this? In John chapter number 20, verses 30 and 31. This is the purpose of the Gospel of John. But these are written, why? So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. This is the word for Messiah, the anointed one. You may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. So in this second function of fulfilled prophecy, Jesus recalibrates the hearts and minds of his followers on what exactly a Messiah is and what it looks like to live out that role as the anointed one. And over and over and over again through the Gospels, we see individuals and we see crowds coming to Jesus on their terms. They had selfish intent. They wanted to be healed. They, they wanted to be entertained. They wanted to see Jesus do these incredible signs, miracles, and wonders. The second function of fulfilled prophecy is what? That it gives purpose for the selfish and it goes beyond ourselves. We lose ourselves and we remember who Jesus is. And Jesus' purpose and mission in this world and for our lives becomes our goal. It becomes our ambition. Jesus said, if any man comes after me, he must do what? Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Deny one's self. This is a prerequisite of following Jesus. We don't come to Jesus on our terms. We don't come to Jesus or follow Jesus with a health and wealth prosperity mindset. So our lives will be better. So we'll have money in our bank account. So we'll live a longer life or be a a better person in this world. We come to Jesus on his terms. Jesus was and is the Messiah. And he is challenging the mindsets of his followers then. And he's challenging the mindsets of even us today. What does it look like to rightly relate to the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, the appointed one to bring about this redemptive work? In the Old Testament, we see kings, prophets, even priests all being anointed with oil. This was to represent a setting apart, a calling out, an affirmation of what? Being chosen. For a particular time, for a particular task, to accomplish a particular thing. Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, he affirmed this identity. Not by some great move of political power, but rather anchored his followers on his identity as God. And as Jesus drew his followers 
to this reality of responding to him rightly, not just as a good teacher, but as God. Proclaiming that I and my Father are one. He demonstrated his authority through those signs, miracles, and wonders. But probably one of his most surprising displays of affirmation as the Messiah came through his life. Came through his interactions in this world. How he lived, loved. How he went to the children, the needy, the poor, the sick. The greatest affirmation of his identity as Messiah came through his willingness to serve those he came to reach. This is what the messianic prophecy foretold of. The suffering servant of Isaiah 53. The accounts of the gospels where he said, not my will, but your will be done. If it possible, be possible that this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus came to perfectly fulfill the will of the Father, to bring about the redemptive plan that in the midst of our disobedience, there was grace. In the midst of the incredible demands of the law, there was grace. Through the incredible fulfilled prophecy, we see grace. Luke 19, again, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Matthew 20, 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Mark 2, 17, and when Jesus heard it, He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Friends, fulfilled prophecy gives purpose to the selfish. When we deny ourselves by God's grace, it's in that moment for the first time in our lives that we can live for something that has eternal purpose. Before Christ, our lives are consumed with ourselves. What we want, what we desire, what makes us feel good and comfortable, what makes us happy, what brings joy in our life. We're consumed with our own desires. But friends, Jesus has come to turn that on its head. And he says, when you lose your life, it's then that you'll find it. So deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And it's there in that moment that we can have joy. It's there in that moment that we can have peace for our troubled soul. It's there that the hostility that we have caused because of our rebellion and disobedience against a holy God, it's then and there that we can have reconciliation and resolve that eternal problem once and for all through the finished work of Jesus Christ. This is what the Messiah has come to do. So for those of us that are selfish, those of us that are so lost in our sin, Jesus, as the Messiah, offers us purpose. We'll touch on that a bit more in here in just a moment. But our third and final function of fulfilled prophecy is this. Fulfilled prophecy provides hope for the scattered. Fulfilled prophecy provides hope for the scattered. I love Matthew chapter 1, verse number 21. Again, this beautiful prophecy. 
Looking back to Isaiah 7, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. For he shall save their people, his people from their sins. When we think back on that Jewish mindset of receiving and welcoming the Messiah, this is not what their definition of a Messiah would be. They had no concern of being saved from their sins. They wanted to be saved from a tyrannical Roman Empire. They wanted to be saved from oppression. They wanted to be not stepped on and and looked past anymore. They wanted the, the name of Israel to be redeemed as a great force in this world. The prophecy was she will bear a son. His name will be Jesus. And his purpose and mission will be salvation of his people from their sins. Friends, oh, that we would remember our greatest need and our greatest problem isn't the amount of money in our bank account. It's not the amount of money in our 401k or retirement. The greatest problem or need that we have isn't how many cars we have in the driveway. It's not about how many presents are going to go under the Christmas tree. It's not even about what we're going to eat or drink. In this moment, in this day, our most pressing need is the need of our soul. But the problem of sin is an affront to a holy God. And that without Christ, if we are still found in our sin, that's going to result in eternal separation from God for all eternity. Friends, you can call that Hellfire and damnation preaching. I don't know what the labels of that might be these days. It's not a popular message to talk about the result of sin. The eternal destination for sin. God's word talks about a real hell. And the beauty of an Advent season. The glorious truth of this Christmas season. Is that Jesus did not leave us without hope. He did not leave us in that state. Fulfilled prophecy provides hope for the scattered. Matthew chapter number 18, verses 12 through 14. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray? Does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of, the, of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. There's hope for the world that has been scattered about because of sin. Jesus, in this moment of Advent, this moment of a Christmas season, wants us to reflect on and remember to take a moment to linger in the truth and the power of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it will draw us to remember as we see the incredible evidence, the incredible testimony of fulfilled prophecy. It should give us hope for the believer. But for those of you that are here that don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you're still trusting in your own works. You're still striving in your own way. 
Jesus calls you to consider him as the Messiah, the long awaited for Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, the appointed one to do a work that we could not do. To respond simply with humble, childlike faith, confessing with our mouth, believing in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, and he gives us this hope that we will be saved. For believers, here, this morning, what is the hope for us under the incredible evidence and testimony of fulfilled prophecy? The hope for us is that He has given us a mission. He has called us to reach this world that is scattered, that is lost in their sin. Do you remember Matthew chapter number 28, verses 17 through 20? And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. What? Should the incredible testimony of fulfilled prophecy, what impact, what function should it take on for the life of the believer? It should stir us up to go. To go and reach this world with the love of Jesus. Friends, when's the last time you shared Jesus with a friend, a coworker, a neighbor? When's the last time you spoke the name of Jesus into a conversation? If it's been a minute, or it's been a moment, or it's been a little bit longer than that, friends, I wonder, have you considered who Jesus is? Have you considered He's fulfilled hundreds of prophecies in accordance with the Scripture? He is the long-awaited for Messiah. And friends, it should stir our hearts towards love and good works. To reach a community right here in Liberty, Missouri with the love of Jesus. To give a cup of cold water in our name. To turn the other cheek. To not be quickly offended. To love our neighbor as ourself. Friends. There is grace through prophecy. And this morning there's incredible implications on our lives. Because Jesus is the Messiah. Do you know him? Have you answered that question? Who do you say that I am? For Peter, he boldly proclaims, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I hope that's your testimony as well. Would you join me in prayer? We close our worship service this morning. Father God, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to fulfill the prophecies of the Messiah. We thank you that Jesus came to our need. He ran to us in our time of need. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we remember Ephesians, but God being rich in mercy made us alive. We thank you that Jesus ran after us, that one strange sheep. We thank you for that eternal redemptive plan that you are working out even in our day, in our midst, in our community, in our city.
And Father, I pray that this morning as we consider grace through prophecy, that our hearts and our minds would be changed as a result of considering who you are, what you have done, what you have accomplished. Father, I pray that there's somebody here this morning that doesn't know you as Messiah. That you would stir their heart right now. I pray that they would reach out to myself, Pastor Andy, Pastor Dave, maybe a trusted friend that they even came with to this service today. I pray that we would maybe have the opportunity to just open up Scripture and just show them the truth of the Word of God. That they would be saved this morning. Father, I pray for every believer, every Christian here, that we would reflect on, remember, that we would recalibrate our hearts and our minds away from a Messiah of our own terms that fits in our own box, and we would look at Scripture, and we would deny ourselves as we did in salvation, but every single day, Father, that the reality of who you are and what you've done, what you've accomplished, the work that you have done, I pray that we would deny ourselves, take up our cross, and in this moment, in this day, we would follow you, even afresh and anew. I pray that you'd be glorified with everything that is said and done. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.